The Bible reads like this. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. How many of you have become men or women mature in Christ? Now, John chapter 16 and verse 12. I have many more things to say to you, this is Jesus speaking, but you cannot bear them now. For when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said to you that he takes of mine and he discloses it to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the glorious presence of the Holy Spirit among us. And we thank you for the word of God, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword and able to divide between soul and spirit. I pray that the active word tonight would be active in our hearts and that you would speak to each person at the place of their need. We ask that in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to speak on the subject of increasing your capacity. Quiero compartir esta noche sobre el tema de creciendo tu capacidad. How much can a teaspoon hold? Anybody know? A teaspoon. And how much can a cup hold? A cup. How much can a dump truck hold the whole space of a dump truck right our capacity determines how much we can receive from the Lord if you have a teaspoon that you want God to fill God will fill it amen somebody if you have a cup you want God to fill God will fill that if you have a big pot full of uh, that you usually use for tamales a big pot that you want God to fill God will fill that Whatever capacity you give for God to fill, he will make use of what you give him. And so I want to speak tonight about taking the limits off of your capacity and increasing your capacity to receive more from the Lord. To be able to receive from God uh, those things that he wants for you. We're going to be spending a little bit of time in the Gospel of John tonight, but I want to just uh, briefly mention what Paul says here as he says... Uh, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I spoke like a child, and I uh, understood like a child. Pablo, cuando él habla aquí en Corintios, él dice, cuando yo era niño, yo hablaba como un niño, yo pensaba como un niño, y yo razonaba como un niño, pero luego me hice hombre, y dejé las cosas de niños. He said, but then I became a man. And I put away childish things. Paul is describing there the process by which you and I, when we become mature, we put away small things. We put away limiting things. And we go into a place with God where we can increase our faith and we can increase our usefulness to God and become a greater vessel in his hands. And so tonight, I want to talk about putting away those childish things. Now, Paul uses three words there I want you to think about real quickly. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. 
He says that a, a child speaks in a certain way, and all of us know this. Todos sabemos que los niños hablan de cierta forma. And I'm not just referring to the fact that they sound like children, but they speak like children. No solamente el, el sonido de su voz, pero también en las cosas que ellos dicen. Uh, uh, generally speaking, a child thinks uh, what says what they think. Normalmente un niño dice lo que ellos piensan. How many of you know that can be real bad trouble if you just say what you think all the time? ¿Cuántos saben que se puede poner problemas si siempre dice lo que piensa? Now, you know, my, uh, my, my, my experience with children has been that they'll tell you what they think. And they'll tell you uh, without any, without any uh, hesitation about it. They don't really know the, the uh, format or the, 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 the protocol of life. I remember one a little girl was in the grocery store. She saw a lady that was a, a nun, a Catholic nun. And she said, Mama, is that a penguin? And uh, you see there just the sensitivity or the simplicity of a child. They don't, they're not trying to be offensive. They're not trying to be rude, but uh, they're uh, nevertheless just saying what is on their mind. It's a mark of maturity then. When you become a man, when you become a mature person to be able to hold your tongue. Uh, pero cuando uno llega a ser maduro, ya aprende a detener su lengua, a no decir cualquier cosa. And uh, I know a lot of adults that have not yet become men. Hay uh, algunos adultos que yo conozco que todavía no se hacen hombres. Hopefully none of you here tonight, but how many of you know there are some people who still don't know how to hold their tongue? Hay personas que todavía no saben cómo detener la lengua, cómo no decir las cosas. Some of them feel like if there's a, if there's a thought, they has to be expressed. And until it comes out of their mouth, they can't be comfortable. But yet, there's a mark of maturity that comes to your life when you start to learn what to say and what not to say. What to declare and what not to declare over your life. And so Paul says, I, I spoke like a child, but then he says, I also understood like a child. And that word in the Greek, it really goes a little bit more beyond just knowledge. It goes to the fact that a child does what they feel. A child is led by their feelings. Luego nos dice Pablo que el niño, cuando él era niño, él, él pensaba como un niño. Y ahí el término en el griego nos da a entender que el pensamiento de un niño es, uh, un, uh, es guiado por sus emociones. Por los sentires. You know, when you and I uh, live by our feelings, when we live by our emotions, we're demonstrating spiritual immaturity. Because you know there is something greater, there is something higher than our feelings. Say amen, somebody. Uh, your feelings can be a great passenger, but they're a terrible driver for your life. Uh, nuestras emociones pueden ser un buen pasajero, pero son un terrible uh, manejador de tu vida. Y si usted deja que sus emociones y sus sentires guíen su vida, va a llegar a problemas. How many of you have ever made mistakes because you were in your feelings? We've all been there, haven't we? We've all said things in our feelings, or we have all made decisions in our feelings. And those are probably the worst kinds of decisions that we can make. There is, however, with God, a place that you and I can go in spiritual maturity where we're no longer led by how we feel, but we're led by the voice and the Spirit of God. Podemos usted y yo llegar a un lugar de madurez cuando ya no somos guiados por como nos sentimos, sino que somos guiados 
por la voz y el Espíritu de Dios. You know, even in the church, sometimes, a lot of times, uh, in the Pentecostal world, uh, people are led by feelings. They're led by emotions. They want to feel something. They want to have goosebumps. They want to jump up and down. And all those things are fine in their place and in their time. But see, when the goosebumps are gone and when the, when the emotion is gone, they're still not grown up. They still haven't developed into their spiritual life, into their spiritual place with God. And so uh, there is a need in every Christian life. To, to grow up, to mature into that place where, not, where now we are thinking God's thoughts, where we are doing what, what God wants us to do, where we're led and moved by the mind of Christ and not by the mind of the flesh. And then Paul says that he, uh, he reasoned like a child. He made decisions in a childish way. Luego nos dice Pablo que él razonaba, hacía decisiones de una manera uh, de un niño. And really the implication there is that Paul says a child makes decisions in a selfish way. A child makes decisions by what is for the moment. What do I want right now? That's why uh, parents uh, are so important in the life of a child. If, if there were no parents in the lives of children, those kids would never eat their broccoli, would they? They would never do the things that are not fun to do. They would never learn how to make their bed or how to, how to clean their room because a, the, the, a child is thinking about right now, about this minute, about instant gratification. You know that is the problem in our culture today. We have a culture that wants what's right now, instant gratification. We spend tomorrow's check paycheck on today, and then we get to tomorrow, and we don't have the resources that we need because there's a, childish, a childishness present in the way that this culture lives. But Paul says, when I grew up, when I matured, when I became a man, I started to realize, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about just what I want or what I need. That's why mature Christians give instead of hoarding. Why? Because they know it's not about me. It's about winning souls. It's about bringing somebody else into the kingdom of God. It's about growing the, the kingdom of God in my generation. Are there any mature Christians in the house of God tonight? All right, so then we understand there's a need to mature because our maturity is the, is the vessel that is limiting or else unlimiting God's ability to put more into our life. Now, I want to just th give you two examples here. The nation of Israel and Moses are a good example because, you know, the Bible says about the nation of Israel in the Psalms, it says that Israel limited God. That, that statement blows my mind, to think that people could limit God. You know, really, we, we have an omnipotent God. We have a God who's not limitable. He can do anything he wants. And yet, we hear that the nation of Israel limited God. How did they limit God? They limited God because they would not mature. They limited God because they would not believe God. They would not get past their need to get what they wanted right now and to see that God had, uh, was working a plan in their life and that even the things that seemed fearful, like the, the, the possession of Canaan, was ultimately for their blessing and for their good. And so we hear those words that I would hope never to be spoken over our life. 
I would hope that never those words would be spoken over your life or over Kingsway Church. That God would say, that church is limiting me because they don't let me move, because they don't let me lead, because they don't let me speak. You know, there are a lot of churches that limit God. They, they put their own human traditions and their own human agenda ahead of the work of God. And so they limit what God can do in their life. There are even uh, many people who do that. And they limited what God can do in their life. And yet we look at Moses. Moses seems to me to be the complete opposite of the nation of Israel. In Numbers chapter 11, we read about Moses. And the Bible says that the Lord took the spirit that was on Moses and put it on 70 people. Think about that. There was so much of the spirit of God on that one man. There was enough on Moses for 70 people. That is an incredible capacity. Uh, can you imagine that? That there is a, a glory of God on this man's life. So incredible. So vast. That God can take from him and give it to 70 men. And those men went through the camp and started prophesying. And just ripping through the, the nation of Israel with the, with the glorious message of God. And then uh, Moses still had enough power left over to keep being Moses. That's the kind of capacity you and I should desire to say, Lord, I want to grow and mature and be useful to you in such a way that when you take one of the things that I'm doing and you give it to somebody else, that I don't feel like I've lost anything, but rather that I have gained something and that you have more still for me to do and more to give me and that there is always more coming into my life than I can possibly give away that God has given to me. Moisés dice la escritura que él tenía sobre él el espíritu del Señor y el Señor tomó el espíritu que estaba sobre él y lo repartió a 70 hombres. Había tanta capacidad en Moisés que él pudo repartir lo que él tenía hacia 70 personas. Esa es la capacidad que usted y yo debemos de querer y desear esta noche. So I want to go with you tonight to show, uh, to look at some areas where you might be limiting God and where you can increase your capacity. Here's the first one. I want you to learn to increase your capacity to hear from God. Say, I want to increase my capacity to hear from God. Look at what Jesus says in, in, in John 16, 12. He says, I have more to say to you, but you cannot hear it right now. What was he saying to them? He was saying, you have a limited capacity. You don't have the ability to hear what I need to say to you right now. And you know that listening to the voice of God is the privilege and the blessing of every believer. Not a single person who has given their life to Christ can say, I can't hear from God. Jesus said this. He said, my sheep hear my voice. That means that every person in the body of Christ has the capacity to hear the voice of God. They have the ability to hear from God. But you say, but pastor, I don't think I'm hearing from God. I don't feel like I'm listening, I'm like I'm hearing what God is saying to me. And you know, sometimes we limit what God can say to us. Because we have not given him our attention. We have not given him a, a space in our life in which he can speak. In which he can have a, our undivided attention in our life. You know, it is so important for us to take time every day and throughout the week to just listen to God. To talk to God. To get to hear what he says. 
Listen to what he says in Jeremiah 33, 3. You all know it. He says, call upon me, and I will answer you. What did he say? I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you don't know. God says, I'll show you things. I'll tell you things that you don't know, that you uh, haven't read on the new, in newspaper or, read or heard on the news. I'll reveal things to you. And then you read down a little bit. He talks about what he'll reveal. He said, I'll reveal to you how to defeat your enemies. And I'll reveal to you an abundance of provision. And I'll reveal to you an abundance of health. How many of you would like those three things right now? The defeat of your enemies, the abundance of provision, and the abundance of health. God says, you want to know those things? Call upon me. Ask me. Dios dice, clama a mí y yo te responderé. Él nos está diciendo, crece tu capacidad para oírme a mí. Para oír lo que yo quiero decir a tu vida. Y a veces limitamos a Dios cuando no le damos la atención que Él quiere en nuestra vida. He said, you can't bear it now. You can't hear it now. If you're like me, you would have left that meeting with Jesus and been thinking about that for the next 10 years. What was left unsaid? What was left that Jesus wanted to say to me but that I could not receive at the time? But then Jesus gave us some hope. He said, however, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal these things to you. The Holy Spirit's going to help you to grow, to mature, to the place so that you can hear the voice of the, of the Father and so that you can do the things that you hear. Say amen, somebody. Is there anybody in here that has the Holy Ghost? Then you and I have the Helper. And the helper is the one that helps us to grow up spiritually and helps us to, to hear and to understand and even to obey the voice of God in our life. Number two, I want you to increase your capacity to know God. Increase your capacity to know the word of God. Número dos, debemos crecer nuestra capacidad para conocer a Dios. You, do you ever think, can I know God more than I know him right now? Maybe sometimes we limit the way, that we limit God in our life because we limit what we can learn and what we can know about him. God has given us 66 books of the Bible. And every single one of those books reveals God to us. Every page, every chapter, every verse, every line is telling us something about God. But you know, when we don't read that book, we are limiting what we can know about God. You know, the tragedy of living in the age of Google is that whenever we don't know something, we just Google it, right? And, and you know, scientists have actually come up with a term. It's called Google amnesia. That means that we have told our mind, I don't need to remember anything anymore because I just Google it. And, uh, and that's why when, uh, when I'm at Bible school in the summer and the Internet goes out for 12 hours or so, my, my students are like zombies. They don't know what to do. Their whole life has come to a screeching halt. I say, well, go to the library. I said, Pastor, read books. No, we got to Google it. Uh, we, we have limited what we can learn uh, because we want to just, just go and get it for the moment and just leave it behind. But you see, there's an incredible power that comes when you get into the text of Scripture and you just absorb the Word of God. You memorize the Word of God. You hide God's Word in your heart because in the day of trouble, your mouth can be open and the Word can come out with power and with glory in that situation. But you know, 
that we have no excuse in this generation for not knowing more about God. There's absolutely no excuse. You know that you and I have the internet. And you and I have libraries. You and I have bookstores. You can buy, you can buy books. You can uh, borrow books. There's no excuse today for ignorance in the household of God. And yet there's more ignorance today about things of God than I have ever seen in my life. It's been a short life. But already in this short life I have seen a decrease of the knowledge of the word of God in the hearts and lives of people. On one occasion I went to a home to uh, pray for a family who had just lost a loved one. And when I came in, I had my Bible with me. I always have my Bible with me in those situations. And a little boy, about seven or eight years old, he asked me, what's that? You know, this boy had never seen the Bible in his life. I thought, how sad. He's living in my town. He's living in my community. He's living in Beeville. He's living in the Bible Belt. He's living in a place where there's churches all over this city, and yet he has never seen the Word of God. Friends, you and I have to be creatures of the Word. We have to be in the Word of God, increasing our knowledge of God so that we can walk with Him and talk with Him and so that you and I can fellowship with Him in, in on the understanding of who He is. We can come to know the Lord. I shared with you last week what Jeremiah said. He said, let not the rich man boast in his riches or the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the strong man boast in his strength, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows the Lord. How many of you know the Lord? How many of you want to know him better? You know that you can know God a little bit more every day. Say amen, somebody. And if you will walk with him, you will discover things about him. He will impress you and leave you in awe. I'm in awe of God every single day as I give him time to speak to my life. I just realize, wow, you are amazing. This is amazing. And you can increase your capacity as you study the word of God. Number three, you and I need to increase our capacity to let God do what he wants to do in our life. To let God work through us. How many of you would like God to work through you more? That was about five of you this evening. I'm really hoping for better than that. How many of you would like God to work through you more? Listen, if God's working through you at a zero, let's get to a five, all right? And if God's working through you at a five, let's get to a ten. And if God's working through you at a twenty, come on, let's get to a fifty. And if, it, let's just keep increasing what God can do through our life, what God can do through each one of us. Listen, in John 13, verse 36, just a couple chapters before, Jesus says these words to Peter. He says, Simon Peter, um, uh, he said to Simon, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered and said, where I go, you can't follow me right now, but uh, you will follow me later. What's he telling Peter? He's saying, Peter, you don't have the capacity to do what I'm going to do right now, but you will. Aren't you excited about that? When God says, but you will. There is some hope that God has for every believer who wants to increase their capacity with God. What did Peter say? He said, Lord, where, um, I, I can go. Why can't I follow you right now? I'll lay down my life for you. I'll put down my life for you, Jesus. Uh, you, you can take me wherever you want. You know, we have a lot of that sometimes. Just, just raw, fleshly bravado. I can do this, Lord. And the Lord said, no, Peter. Because tonight you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. What? I didn't even know that was in me. 
I didn't even know that was there. And yet, Peter comes face to face with the reality that he wasn't the big man on campus. That God was still revealing to him that there were some things that he couldn't do through his life. Because there were attitudes and, and ways of thinking that he still had to bring to the foot of the cross. And friend, when you and I uh, don't let God deal with those things that are in us, we limit what he can do through us. Oh, but friends, what will happen to Kingsway Church with every single one of us will say, Lord, do more through me. I want to go where you go. I want to do what you do. I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be empowered by your grace. Take whatever's in my life that's limiting that. Because you see, God doesn't give big assignments to small character. When you and I have a limited character, we're going to have a limited assignment. I know that there are, and there's in the, it's natural in the heart of the Christian to want to do more for God and say, oh, you know, I want that position or I want that place. I want that title. But you see, God gives greater assignments to people who have the character to handle them, who have the character to bear up under the pressure of ministry. So don't be jealous and don't be envious of people that have a greater title than you or a greater responsibility than you because they've been through some tests. They've been through some fire in order to bring them to that place. Peter was going to be a leader, an apostle to the church in the first century. But first, God had to reveal some things in his character that needed to be brought out. And as he was tested, as he was put under pressure, those things that were in him came out. You see, it's real easy to, to confess Jesus when everything's going great. It's real easy to confess Jesus and to, and to say, yes, Lord, I'll go with you wherever. When you have all your bills paid, when you are, are well in your body, when you are okay in your relationships. But it's when that pressure comes on your life and, and things start going in a different way that you anticipated. It's when Jesus gets arrested and he starts being taken into torture and, and persecution that they ask Peter, they say, Peter, Weren't you with Jesus? He said, no, I don't even know that guy. I've never seen him in my life. But you sound like a Galilean. Are you sure you weren't with him? Nope, never met him in my life. And then Peter goes to cussing all of a sudden as he starts to disavow dis uh, the idea that he had been with Jesus. Oh, because there was something in him that he didn't know about yet. Oh, for friends, aren't you glad that God, when he subjects us to those moments of testing and we just completely blow it, that we just completely fail the test, Aren't you glad that Jesus always comes back to say, I love you, I want to use you, I'm going to empower you. And so after that has happened, Peter is able to go and become the preacher on Pentecost. And on his first sermon, 3,000 people come to Christ. His second sermon, 5,000 people come to Christ. First two weeks of preaching, 8,000 people come to Christ. He put all the rest of us preachers to shame because at that moment when he was empowered by the Spirit of God, his character had been renewed. He had come to an increased capacity where God could now use him in a new and dynamic way. I want you to increase your capacity for God's power in your life. Now listen, God is an incredible and powerful God. Say amen, somebody. But you and I often don't come to know his power because we limit his power in our life. Do you know the power of prayer? Uh, let me ask you again. Do you know the power of prayer? Oh, yeah, Pastor, I heard you preach on the power of prayer. No. Do you know in your own heart, in your own experience, in your own walk, do you know the power of prayer? 
See, prayer unleashes the power of God in our life. And when you and I pray, we're not talking to some dead uh, deity. We're not talking to some uh, force out there. We're talking to the God of heaven. But you know the Bible says this? The Bible says this, that you have not because you ask not. So many times we limit God's power in our life because we don't pray, because we don't ask. He says you have not because you ask not. If you ask, he says you'll receive. If you seek, you'll find. And if you knock, the door will be open unto you. Say amen, somebody. So there's incredible power that is resident there. It's like the power of an automobile. There's so much power in the engine of a car that, uh, that is available to you. And yet, until you put that key in that ignition and, and turn that ignition, that starter creates that, that power to, to uh, fuel that engine, get it going, then you can't use that car. If you don't put the key in the ignition, that car is not taking you to Walmart, not taking you to Dairy Queen, not taking you anywhere. You're going to have no power until you put the, the key in that ignition. That's what prayer does. When you and I take the prayer of faith and we put it into the ignition, we are fueling up the power of God on our behalf. Because God, for whatever reason, has decided that everything he's going to do in our life, he's going to do through prayer. God, what he does, he does through prayer. And so we need to be a praying people because prayer releases the power of God on our behalf. Now something else Jesus said to the disciples in Mark 9, 29, he said, uh, when they had tried to cast out a demon, and the demon just wouldn't come out. And have you ever tried to cast out a stubborn demon, and that thing just wouldn't come out? And Jesus said to them, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. What had they done? They had limited God by not praying and by not fasting, by not consecrating. That's why at the beginning of every year, we take the time, 21 days to fast. We're going to do that this coming year. Say amen, somebody. Why, pastor? Because this kind comes out but by prayer and fasting. God wants to release that power into our life. There's another power in your life, and that's the power of faith. When you and I are in unbelief, we are limiting God's ability to work in our life. That's why you can't afford to tolerate one minute of unbelief in your life. When people come into your life and tell you what can't be done, they come into your life and tell you how this is going to fail, how, you know, you know my, grand, my great auntie, she had the same disease, and two weeks later she was dead. You immediately, when you start hearing that unbelief, just turn off the volume, all right? Like those, like those um, older folks with the hearing aid, when they're just tired, they just turn off the volume. Just smile at them. You just don't have to hear that. Because unbelief is going to rob you of power. Unbelief is going to rob you of the ability to hear what, what God is saying. And, and they're telling you what God can't do. They're telling you what God won't do. But I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit and hear what God says I can do. I will do. I am able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you could ask or even imagine. And it's through faith. He said, have I not told you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? How many of you want to see the glory of God? Then unleash your faith. Believe God. Trust God. If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. For nothing is too hard for God. And nothing is impossible to those who believe. 
There's a third power that I want you to think about tonight. Maybe one that we don't think about very often. But it's the power of God's joy in our life. You know that joy is not just a feeling. It's a power from God in your life. It's the power of God in your life. Because Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What was he saying? The joy of God is power in my life. You see, when I'm walking in discouragement and anxiety and fear and in worry, there's no joy. I'm unhappy and I, I'm, I'm looking for, for answers in the wrong places. There's no power in my life. But when the joy of God is present, the joy of the Lord gives you strength. It gives you power. The joy of the Lord gives you faith and confidence that God is going to work and move on your behalf. And the joy of the Lord, when it comes into your life, when it fills your life, it is so powerful that it can lift you up out of the shadows and bring you up to the mountaintops with God. That's why when you come to the house of God, you come maybe a little gloomy, a little down, but then you start worshiping God and the joy of the Lord fills your life. Yeah, everything in your life is the same. The problems are still the same. You still have the same old car. You still have the same problems at the house. You still have the same bills on the table. But what happened? The joy of the Lord filled your life with hope and confidence that God is going to do this thing in your life. How do we receive that joy from the Lord? John 15, verse 11. We read these things that Jesus said. He said in verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in me, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. He said, These things I have spoken to you, so that, you, so that my joy may be full, and so that your joy may be made complete. Do you know how to walk and experience in the joy of the Lord? Other than faith, there's one thing you got to do to experience the joy of the Lord, and that's to obey God. You know, joy comes when you obey God. When you're in disobedience to God, there's fear, there's worry, there's shame, there's guilt. But when you are obeying God, when you're walking in obedience to God, there's joy that comes in knowing that I have done what the Lord told me. You might say it didn't make any sense, but I have done what the Lord told me. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I have obeyed God. He says, when you abide in my, in my word, you do what I have commanded you. You keep your word in your heart. You don't, you don't teeter-totter on whether I can work in your life. Joy, your joy will be made full. Oh, church, I want your joy to be made full. Your joy can't be made full in any other place but in Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes your joy full. You see, you can get the joy of Jack Daniels, but that's going to pass. You can get the joy of a high, but that's going to pass. You can get the joy of sex, but that's going to pass. You can get the joy of money, but that's going to pass. You can get the joy of a new wardrobe. We've all experienced that, haven't we? But that's going to pass too. But you know, there's a joy that lasts. There's a joy that remains. There's a joy that gives strength to the strengthless and hope to the hopeless. It is the joy of the Lord. And it is a full and complete joy that you can have in Jesus. Would you stand with me tonight? I'm going to invite you to come into this altar. And we're just going to make this simple prayer tonight. Lord, increase my capacity. Say that with me tonight. Lord, increase my capacity. I want more of you. Do you want more of him? Do you want more of Jesus? Come on, just come into this altar tonight. Make your heart available to the Lord. Maybe there are some things he needs to deal with. Some parts of your character that he wants to shape and mold. Let him. Don't be afraid. 
He knows what's best for you. He knows what you need. He wants to make your joy complete. He wants to increase your capacity so that you can hear him better, so that you can serve him better, so that you can have the power of God in your life. Father, tonight we hear the word of the scripture and we hear that you had placed upon your servant Moses enough anointing for 70 men. Tonight we pray, oh God, that the anointing that rests on Jesus would come and rest upon this house by the power of the Holy Spirit, that yokes would be broken, that we would have prophetic power in our mouth, that we would be able to go into dark places and bring light, that we would be able to go into hopeless situations and bring hope because we are the children of the living God. We are stewards of your work in our generation. We want to do more for you. We want to be useful to you. Oh God, we want to know you more. We want to know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. Increase our capacity. Take us to a new level. Take us to a new high, a new place. Raise a standard in our life. We want to be all that you have called us to be for the glory of your name.